0: I think everyone's introduction to sex and pleasure is shame mm-hmm. in some way or another. Yeah. That's why erotic wellness, I think, is so important too. Mm-hmm. Any pleasure based practice that either teaches you more about your identity, connects you to your sexuality, or connects you to your body.
1: Welcome back to Open Late Lovers. I am Jessica Sfandiari, your host, and this is a Soulfire production. Today, I have with me Nadege. Nadege and I met about two months ago at a retreat that we were both um, helping to host and facilitate for friends of ours. And we instantly connected over a love of all things, sex, relationships, <laughs> yeah. play. Um, Nadej is a sex scholar, and she's also a writer. She loves astrology, especially when it comes to sex. And she hosts adult parties that are essentially adult sex ed parties which I can't wait to come to my first one I'm so <laughs> bummed I won't be here this weekend um but without further ado Nadej please yeah. uh, if you want to give yourself a little intro and let people know a little I mean bit that's about you pretty
0: much it you okay. know she's she's a sexy educator girl yeah um or girl slash human but um but yeah I mean we met at a porn star retreat which mm-hmm. I think was so fun. Um, when I was studying sex, I actually studied porn, really? So it was a lot of fun to be around porn stars again, and amazing. Yeah, and this
1: was, was at Berkeley. it was,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, how I does one go. yeah, how does one study <laughs> porn at Berkeley? Like, let's start there. Um, I so I did not do well in high school. I pretty sure they passed me because they did not want to see me again. I was a very rambunctious kid, and I went to community college, mm-hmm. and um I actually dropped out of community college. And then when I finally went back and decided I was going to go to school, my dream was to go to Berkeley. And as a community college transfer, you transfer into your junior year. Mm. And since Berkeley is obviously an extreme academic environment, when you transfer in your third year, you automatically are in the thesis program and you have to start writing like your big paper. So I was like, okay, I have to be studying the same thing for two years. What won't bore me? And that was sex. Wow. And um The reason I picked porn specifically was because maybe a year before that I had found queer porn and feminist porn. And that was really gratifying. I had always known that I was a like, I fell in love with my best friend in high school, Mm. who was a woman. So I already knew that I was on a different trajectory, but, um, when I found queer porn, it was so satisfying because I couldn't really get into other porn, Mm -hmm. even though I liked it. Like, I don't think it's bad that all types of porn exists, but, um, There's not a lot of porn made by women for women or by queers for queers, Mm -hmm. um, by people of color for people of color, by big people for big people, you know. And so feminist porn is really diverse and really raw and honest and sexy as fuck. Yes. So my whole thing was going to these porn sites and saying like – how do they show consent? You know, when you watch porn, mm. you could watch, I'm also really kinky, so I liked the kinky stuff. And so I'd be seeing hair being pulled or whatever. And I would think to myself, like, okay, I'm assuming that everything is consensual, mm-hmm. but I don't see these conversations happening. So how does feminist porn differ for mainstream porn with regards to showing consent? Um, since we don't see the conversations that are happening behind the scenes. Right. Um, and that was really interesting. Like, I remember one porn star telling me that she booked a gig for a mainstream company with a mainstream porn actor who's a man. And he just had a reputation for being a little rough during blowjob scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad guy, but just had a rougher approach. And so she like behind the scenes was like, I don't want you to pull my hair like this. I don't like, I want you to be really mindful. I know that you can, we get into the scene and we get into, cause they're actors. You right. Know? You get into the scene, you get into the moment." Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just be mindful of that. And I was like, that's really badass. Yeah. Like that you knew then you did that. And what I think people, people tend to think porn stars are really disempowered, but there is some of the most empowered people. They know how to communicate their erotic needs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff I do with sex education is around communication. And I learned that through BDSM and through porn. Yes. And like these porn stars. So it was amazing. <laughs> that is
1: how I came here. I have so many more (laughs) questions. Well, first of all, I would love to know what you landed on when you said you found Mm -hmm. feminist porn and you, and you found porn made by women for women, because I recently just like Mm. became aware of Belessa and I had no idea before because I've not watched a ton of porn in my life. I've Mm -hmm. gone through like seasons and phases, but so, I just found that two years ago. Yeah. but was that around? And what are
0: some of your I don't resources that was around? because that wasn't what I found. Okay. so what, what I did I found was the crash pad? which is still around and it, they have like hundreds of episodes. And the premise is there's a mysterious loft in San Francisco and the key gets passed around and there's, um, the key holder is a voyeur. So there's cameras all over and couples go and have sex and obviously they're actors and it's, it's a whole premise, but that's like, it's cute because they have so many different people who come, but you, every single actor has to, Play the part of, oh, we have the keys to the crash pad. Right. And we're going to fuck. And we know someone is watching. Oh my God. This um, is brilliant. So that was really hot. That was my intro. And then another good one Erica Lust Films, super, super hot. Um, Erica Lust on Instagram. Uh, okay. I think it's Erica with a K. Okay. Um, but her films are super, super hot. Um, and what are some other ones? It's funny because I am not watching as much porn right mm-hmm. now. And I actually haven't in years. And I think it's because I spent like two years being like <laughs> so you did. deep in porn. And um, But the Crash Pad, Pink and White. Label Productions is another good one. Okay. They have a and they actually produce the Crash Pad series, but they also have a bunch of other films mm-hmm. and have won tons of awards. And I don't know because of COVID when this will come back, but there is an annual conference of feminist film awards conference in Canada that happens wow. every year. So that's also, if you just follow that conference mm-hmm. and see what films get elected or elected nominated, <laughs> um, then you can find a lot of really cool films that are all over the spectrum with regards to sexuality and representation and like feminism. Cause I think so many people have different views of what feminism is, mm-hmm. um, but you can really find something that'll like scratch your itch. Yes.
1: Yeah. I love this conversation. And actually, not really talked about porn mm. a lot on the show yet. I mean, we obviously we have the mutual friend, you know, Ginger, oh, thanks yeah. who introduced us and we've like touched on it, but um I think like what I love hearing is a reminder for people that there there is stuff out there for you to yeah. see yourself in, right? And I know that for myself I watched a ton of lesbian porn yeah. like all through high school and college and it was pretty much the only thing that excited me as well. Yeah. And so, you know, definitely don't settle for your run of the mill mainstream porn. If you Mm. are not seeing yourself in these scenes or identified, and it's, it's something that you want. This just reminded me of something. And Mm. I don't remember the person's name at all, but I've done um, some of Esther Perel's workshops that she does. that She live streams. And Mm. so, you know, anyone can sort of get a ticket to these and you don't have to be, you know, a, a psychiatrist or a therapist, but there was, um, she had a, another speaker who was talking about, um, and he, he was a gay man in his 40s or 50s mm. talking about like how, you know, porn could be viewed as, you know, very positive, very negative. Mm, totally. <laughs> but what it's done for people is really, especially in the gay community, for men to give them this like voice, this image of mm. things that they were not seeing in their daily lives, like in the 80s. And yeah. I, it was the first time I actually looked at porn as pretty empowering. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause for a lot of my life I had a lot of shame around like oh, either watching absolutely. it or, you know, because you find like, you know, your your parents like magazines and everything's hidden and it's yeah. kind of like, okay, well, this is bad. You know, you learn that from such a young age, like
0: this is something that has to be like closeted. And I think everyone's introduction to sex and pleasure is shame Mm -hmm. in some way or another. Yeah. And it's really, that's why erotic wellness I think is so important too. Mm -hmm. And like, For anyone who doesn't know what that is, erotic wellness is just like any pleasure-based practice that either teaches you more about your identity, connects you to your sexuality, or connects you to your body Mm. because our bodies store all the trauma that happens to us and while sex therapy or talk therapy is really important, going to a massage therapist is important, going to a pelvic floor specialist. A lot of people don't know that those exist. I did that this morning. Oh, it's really
1: empowering. I was literally in a session this morning with Courtney V, who I had on the show maybe like two months ago. And she is, I've started working with her because Mm -hmm. I'm realizing how important it is to be in touch with yeah. Those muscles and oh, yeah. that area of the body, yeah. but yes. Yeah, so continue but with yeah.
0: I mean, well, erotic, erotic wellness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so. Those are obviously like medical resources, but people are practicing erotic wellness all the time. They don't even know. Like when you do your beauty routine at night, or for people who don't have a beauty routine, your grooming routine. Mm. That's a way that we're soothing our nervous system and connecting to our body. And what neuroscientists have found is that if your nervous system is activated in flight or flight mode, you can't receive pleasure, whatever it is. You're anxious or mm-hmm. nervous. There's a block there and your brain is telling you that you're in danger. And since we're introduced to sex predominantly through shame, sometimes through trauma, it's so common that you'll be in an erotic moment or even watching a porno by yourself and you get triggered Mm. and your fight or flight response is activated and you can't receive the pleasure. And that's where erotic wellness comes in of being like, let's figure out what a pleasure based activity is for you. And then let's redefine your relationship with pleasure. And that's why, but there's so many ways we're doing that already, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. beauty routines is one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beauty routines, taking a bath. Taking a bath, Mm -hmm. walking your
0: dog. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, all of these little things, if we're a bit more mindful, we can yeah. start to, I think, tune into where it, we feel it in our body. Yeah. It's probably like what you would advise someone to I'd do. I would say so, mm-hmm.
0: totally. And also just recognizing, because it doesn't have to be all about sex, like the word erotic is in there, but like pleasure is very diverse. And like walking your dog is a pleasure and it slows you down mm-hmm. and it connects you to another animal. You know, and humans are also animals. And I think a part of understanding your sexual nature is just surrendering to the fact that you're also an animal. Mm -hmm. You have urges, you have reactions, that's okay. Like, you know, all of that stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. But yeah.
1: I think overall, what I'm hearing too, is just reminding people like that they're, of their basic humanity.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, this sure. is like a really good
1: baseline to start For with sure. and and to normalize all of that yeah. because, you know, the society that we live in has grown so much into pulling us out of our of yeah. our humanness and to not be embodied. Um, oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Especially
1: with sex, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's the thing that makes us the most human. Um, yep. <laughs> I was just giggling kind of in my head because so I had a conversation with Nicoletta yesterday. I and of course, we started talking about this, you know, same thing. Yeah. Um, but I would love to, to talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. sort of the the things that you do and the offerings right. that you put together to educate adults and just yeah. to give adults a space to have... Kind of fun and like reclaim what sex ed is, and to understand themselves and their bodies and connect. And so, like, let's dive in there.
0: Yeah. Well, I love giving people actionable steps that they can take to make themselves better. It's why I didn't go the therapy route because I didn't want to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Sagittarius, so I love bringing people together. Yes. I love having parties. I love having fun. So I started doing these erotic wellness soirees where I'm like, this is a sex education party for adults. And cause obviously we can't have anyone under 18 because, <laughs> yes. you know, even though they deserve sex ed too, but yes. that's a very different can of worms. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and I love bringing people together and having different topics we go over. Um, one we have coming up is a lingerie soiree, which is about like learning how to dress for your body type, regardless of your gender. But we do all types of stuff. Like sometimes it's just a sound bath and guided, um, journaling, erotic journaling prompts that Mm. I create, um, that can be about jealousy or about how to establish your boundaries or about like visualizing your ideal erotic, liberated self, who that looks like. Wow. Um, So there's just a lot of different avenues that I take with it. But I, since I'm a writer, I started as a writer. I love personally using writing. Um, What a lot of people don't realize is when you write, you actually think your thought twice. You think it when it comes and then you think it when you write it. Mm. Um, So you're more likely to remember something. So if you have trouble remembering things like I do, Total Space Cadet, I write down everything because that just helps you remember, but, um, but I love writing because it slows you down. It makes Mm -hmm. you think your thoughts twice. Um, then you have the proof of what you created. And I like to encourage people to do a really stream of consciousness, which basically is sort of like a brain dump. Don't think too much about what you're Mm -hmm. writing. Don't over it's no one else is going to see this. So it's not about being poetic. It's really just about getting, getting things out of your brain onto paper, seeing it, um, seeing the patterns in their the thoughts that are streaming out of you when we're talking about sex. because think about how no one ever stops and considers their sexuality and, you know, meditates on that really. Mm. So that's what I try to do with these. And then also being a sexologist, I'm bringing like the average clitoris is four inches long and gets an erection, you know? Yeah. And so I'll weave in a lot of, you know, really important science mm-hmm. that I think we need, you know, um, only 18 states right now require sex education to be medically accurate. So um, and that's right now in 2022. So when we were in high school, it was even worse. Yes. Um And that's just in the United States. Worldwide, it's either the same or worse with Mm -hmm. regards to sex education. So it's literally legal for people to teach you sex education that is not even medically accurate. Mm -hmm. And um, we really need sex education. So I like I weave in like practices you could do with my, you know, the soirees I do as well as like information that I feel like everybody needs and did not get.
1: Right. Um, And yeah. What do you find are, well, okay, I have two questions. Let me back up. When you're talking about doing a brain dump, right? Mm. And just writing in general, what do you feel like becomes, I guess, unlocked for people? Mm.
0: That's a great question. Well, I think one thing to be mindful of that I hear a lot is that people feel like they can't, even when they're writing in a journal that's private, they're scared someone's going to find it. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is to surrender to the fact that, like, what if someone does find it? Your erotic thoughts are really not that crazy. Mm -hmm. Like Everybody has taboo thoughts. They're all over the place. Some people fantasize about their parents. Some people fantasize about cheating because Mm -hmm. they feel constrained in their relationship. Some people fantasize about animals. Everything is taboo Mm -hmm. and everything isn't taboo. So I'd say first and foremost, release the idea that someone's going to read it because What if they do read it? That person who reads it, first off, is violating your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And two, if someone does read it, like they have their own really crazy, yummy thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know, so like it's okay. Yeah. Um, So I'd say that's the first thing, because I I hear that a lot. Um, And then the second thing I'd say is as you're brain dumping your thoughts, really look at your patterns and look at areas that you maybe censor yourself or limit yourself Um, psychologists have found that it is very, very cathartic and healing to allow yourself to fantasize in the safety of your brain. And we actually self-censor our fantasies Mm -hmm. constantly. Um, so a practice, anyone listening that I would encourage you to do is for the next two weeks. Practice fantasizing without shame, without limits. It's your brain. Nothing bad is going to happen. Even if you think your fantasy is horrible and your fantasy maybe involves hurting someone else, maybe you're just kinky. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But fantasize about it in your brain and really see where that goes. And then once the two weeks are done, check in with yourself and see how that felt emotionally. If it didn't feel good, then don't do it anymore. I have yet to find someone who says it doesn't feel good and cathartic, but you know, that could happen. But for, and and if it does feel good, keep going. Yeah. Keep going with that practice.
1: I'm hearing this like so deeply and I'm going to (laughs) commit to it because I I know that I do this for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so interesting. Like even the thought of it feels very liberating and Mm. almost like, okay, like give myself permission. And that reminder that like nothing bad is going to happen because you are sort of letting your mind wander. And yeah, I imagine that that's like its own form of expression that then scratches the itch, right? Otherwise, like what you try to avoid is just going to get bigger and bigger. And it manifests, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: there's this really cool book called Existential Kink written by a woman who studied BDSM and psychology. And she found that we all like humans do enjoy pain to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. whether that's emotional pain, physical pain, what have you. And if we don't allow ourselves to explore and just become conscious of those things, they'll still manifest and come up in our life. And the example that she gives that I love is imagine a man, maybe he's like 25, graduated from college And his subconscious desire is that he does not want to be an alpha male. He wants to be taken care of by a woman. He wants her to be the bread earner. But in our society, that's extremely shameful to Mm -hmm. admit. So instead of giving himself permission to explore that need and that desire, he self-sabotages by finding a job he hates, getting fired, and then moving back in with with his mother. So now the need is being met. Yeah, A woman is taking care of him financially, but it is through a very shameful experience of Mm. failure versus when we become more conscious of The things that we maybe like that society either tells us we don't like or that may be hurt, but it's okay to fetishize pain. Mm -hmm. Um, If one becomes more conscious of that, then he could move out of his mom's house, meet a woman who wants to play the dominant bread earner role and have his needs met in a very conscious and loving way. Mm -hmm. And so – Um, So that's the other thing about fantasizing. It's good to fantasize and to explore these things, figure out what you want and what maybe are the roots of these desires, which takes time. Everybody like that. (laughs) It takes years. It's not going to happen in six months. It's not going to happen in 30 days. Yeah, it's a practice. It's a practice. So give yourself the grace and patience. But um, but yeah, like once we figure out those subconscious desires, we can actually create a life for ourselves where those needs are going to be met mm-hmm. and they're met consciously and they're met consensually. Mm-hmm. And we're not the, you know, we're not making our desires manifest because they, again, they'll just manifest. They will. Won't, mm-hmm. They're your needs. Yeah. You're going to get your needs met one way or another.
1: And the subconscious and the universal consciousness, Ooh. right, is so powerful. so powerful. I love how we all think we're going to cheat it. Like uh, we're going to get away no. with, you know, <laughs> but your higher self is fully in control of this journey. Yeah. So by hell or high water, like you will end up in the same place. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's just so, so interesting. What we do is like, We not only rob ourselves of community Mm. when we're not honest about whether it's the kinks or the desires or the interests, because there are people out there who either want the same things or similar Mm. things or just are your vibe, right? But we, you know, and I can speak for myself, even a lot of times have suppressed those sides of ourselves. And if you're that guy that's out there that really wants to be taken care of, who are you to rob the love of your life? Who's a dominant woman from, from like finding you. If you think about it, there's so much love and acceptance for everyone on this planet. And so that's what I think about. Like when you're sharing this story, it's like, wow, we really do. We rob ourselves of connection, of community, um, because we're so fearful, right. Of being like ostracized. Yeah. When in reality, we all want these similar, very yeah. kinky things. And people are like, I'm not kinky. And it's like, would you like an ice cube on your body? Like
0: that's, yeah, kinky, that's kinky, right? Exactly. That's like, it's like the, oh, the totally. mildest things um, are kinky. So, yeah. or you yeah. can like have a fetish for like mean women, but you don't like pain. You don't like the, you know, but right. like, kinky is so Diverse Broad. and mm-hmm. it can be about your lifestyle too. It doesn't have to be about sex. But anyway, that's a yeah, whole I know a whole other, <laughs> a whole other episode yeah.
1: <laughs> that we'll have to do on kink. Um, but I I really want to talk about astrology. Yeah. Can we pin it? Because you're like, I'm a Sagittarius, I like to bring people together. So I've never really I, I like astrology. I don't know like everything about it, but I'm really into it mm. in my in my personal work, right? As yeah. a sound meditation facilitator and you know, all the the slew of other things I do what really, I guess, what's the difference when you're thinking about astrology in relationship to sex and sexuality?
0: Yeah. Well, I'd say one, you need to know your birth chart because Mm -hmm. there's going to be certain placements. So when you're born, all of the planets were in a specific place, Mm -hmm. right? And there's about 25 to 27 placements of where the planets, the comets, and the houses are. Um, and so that like the seventh house is the house that rules relationships. Mm-hmm. So if your seventh house is in Gemini, you might be more likely to be polyamorous because Gemini represents the twin and duality. Oh. Um, and so you might have a very open minded view to relationships. Um, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, you might just have a polyamorous mindset. Okay. You know? Um, And then Venus is the planet of love and beauty. Mm-hmm. So for example, my Venus is in Capricorn. So I love luxury. I love flashy things. Mm-hmm. Like, And I used to hate that about myself. I'd be like, why am I so superficial? <laughs> and then I saw that my Venus was in Capricorn. I'm like, okay, it doesn't mean I'm superficial, but it does mean that I, I like a certain thing and like that's okay. But um so I'd say the first thing is knowing your birth chart which you mm-hmm. can just google online or download an app like CoStar which I think is right. a pretty good app for yes. for that. Um and then remind me your question again, what with astrology, what
1: Yeah, what's for? different and what's to mm. look for with respect to, you know, sex and relationships sex and your moon sign,
0: your moon oh, sign is right. important because mm-hmm. your moon represents your emotions, who you are when you're alone, mm-hmm. how you recharge. Um, so people who are really compatible in their relationships tend to actually have a compatible moon sign as opposed to their sun sign. Oh. So your sun sign, right? Like I'm a Sagittarius. That's just where the sun was when mm-hmm. I was born. So there's so much more. To your astrological life, I mm-hmm. guess, or, or meanings. But um, Moon is important, Venus is important, the seventh house is important. Um, what else? The eighth house is the house of sex and death. Okay. So that really can show how you internalize shame and sexuality. Mm. So that's a
1: really interesting one as well. Interesting, sex and death together in the same way. Well, yeah, because, because like the orgasm is like <laughs>
0: basically the, the like death, what you feel. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, well, I think it's more so because sex is The creation of life Mm. and then death is the end of life. And so it makes sense that the two of them would be together like that um, because they're just the cycle. Interesting. Um, And like death, sex, birth Mm -hmm. are all a part of the same energy, Mm -hmm. really. Right. Creation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like your creation, Mm -hmm. your creativity, and your sexuality are very, very, very closely linked. Like, so if you have blocks in your creative realm, it might be from blocks in your sexuality. Yeah,
1: of course. I always find that. Yeah. When I'm having more sex, I'm way more creative. Oh yeah. My creativity flows. Wait. So what's your moon sign? Mine is Taurus.
0: Oh, interesting. Which is nice. Taurus is the, um, she's represented by Venus and is a very, like, I'm such a pleasure like person. It's ridiculous. Like I have a Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius sun. And Sagittarius is represented by Dionysus, the god of pleasure, Mm -hmm. wine, food. And then Taurus is the goddess Venus, which is love and beauty and also all about pleasure. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like made to have a company called Pleasure Science. It's just outrageous. Yeah. This is amazing. I also want to guess your sign. Okay. I had last yesterday, I had a download that you might also be a Sagittarius. I'm not. Are you an air sign then? I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was, I was like, she's either a Sagittarius yeah. or an air sign. So I just had a birthday. So, okay. So then you would be an
1: Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Oh my yes. God. Yeah. So that's my son. Okay. Obviously lover of people, love bringing yeah. people together. Very concerned with the collective. Like oh yeah. Obsessed. Really. Oh, I love it. Which Uh, finding out a lot about astrology has helped me balance my personal close relationships really well because I can tend to like forget about the people who Mm. love
0: me the most and I'm I relate to that as a fact because we're community people so I'm always like community community and then my inner circle like my sister will be like (laughs) bitch call me (laughs) yeah my husband's
1: like community what I'm right here house community Um, yeah (laughs) um so yeah I have I have uh my son is an Aquarius and Um. then um I'm a Leo Moon so I also Ooh, love luxury. Oh yeah. Also like really nice That's things. a
0: really, so actually Leo and Aquarius are sister signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're two halves to the same whole. That's a really powerful sun and moon to have because yeah. you sort of are a circle that can like complete mm-hmm. itself.
1: Yeah. And then I'm a Scorpio rising. Oh, oh I love which... a
0: Scorpio. I can't <gasps> even. My love for Scorpios is so intense. Really? I, oh, I, every time I meet someone cute, they're a damn Scorpio, but I love it. I'm like mm-hmm. cursing, but I love them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh I I feel like there's a lot of it's interesting. I had a reading about mm. 6 months ago and I I still don't know everything about yeah. astrology, but I'm, you know, absorbing more and she was saying that this lifetime for me is a lot about moving from Scorpio energy into mm. Taurus energy. Oh, are those your so north and south nodes? I think so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is that what that so is? So moving. Mm-hmm. So if you're moving from Scorpio, so your south node would be in Scorpio, mm-hmm. um, and your north node would be in Taurus. That's really that's really amazing because my north node is in Aquarius, so I have the most to learn from your astrology sign. Whoa, and I yeah. have the most to learn, to learn from, from your yeah, Taurus from my Taurus yeah. moon. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah astrology mm. is wild. It really does help us know ourselves,
0: right? That's like Absolutely. all we want to do is as like, hemons. for me, I'm We're not like- too into the horoscope part mm-hmm. of astrology. Like I'm right there with you. I like to use it to understand myself. And I also like to use it to show people like what their erotic strengths are, because mm. I think astrology is so fun. And like you said, it helps us understand ourselves. And it's a great way to overcome shame, you know, like recognizing like your eighth house, sex and death. Mm. Mine was in cancer, which is an extremely emotional sign. And as a Sagittarius mm. and a Taurus, I can have a lot of disassociation from my feelings. And when I discovered that, I realized one of my strengths is being emotionally deep and like, that's okay. And like, well, and it was it was really like groundbreaking for me. Yeah. And so I love doing that for other people because I think it's a way to like rework shame or mm-hmm. rework the way that we maybe perceive our habits to be bad that aren't bad. It's mm-hmm. just like we live in a society that has taught you a certain thing.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so that's one also a way that I love to that's use astrology. Really beautiful, actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because it does. It really helps people accept themselves on a deeper level, mm. ultimately. And society is so, like, fucked for the most part. Well, okay. Yeah. Let me actually take that <laughs> back because we're not. But I think what people maybe idealize, right, in our capitalistic mm. society that wants everything to sort of fit into this like mold, yeah. right? And it's like, think about this, what we're talking about with astrology, there are 12 houses and yeah. there are like many different ways to present and all of these different combinations, right? You said yeah. like 25 or something. Yeah, so 25
0: or 28 or something like that.
1: It yeah. would be crazy to think that people could all be the same. There's yeah. just no way. We just have so many different variables and expressions. And that's yeah. like what makes us so beautiful. What humanity, yeah. you know, our our differences and sort of the little similarities that we have where we can connect and then the way we express differently to create novelty and, yeah. you know, freedom to just like be different and to showcase yeah. like a full spectrum of humanity. Yeah. yeah. See, astrology is amazing. Oh, it's
0: so much fun. (laughs) I can't wait for Pasha to listen to this episode (laughs) because he's always like,
1: yeah, tell me why
0: this is because like I'm a Pisces and I'm like, well, you're crying, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Both of my best friends are Pisces. I'm obsessed with Pisces. I love them so hard. My dad's a Pisces. They're great. Mm -hmm. They're so creative. They're so emotional. It's really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pasha and Lauren actually were born on the same day. So it's wild.
0: That what? was actually why I thought you might be a Sagittarius, because as a Sagittarius myself, I have this like affinity for Pisces, and I'm like, oh my god, I wonder if Jessica's also a Sagittarius <laughs> and is just, just like surrounding herself with these yeah. like fishes, just like I am. Mm-hmm.
1: It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, okay, wait, where do we go from here? Yeah, deep in the astrology talk. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you're a writer. Yeah, and you're in like I read you're in a top the top one percent of writers on media. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible.
0: That's where pleasure science really started. Okay. Years ago. So I always started as a writer. I had studied sex at Berkeley Mm -hmm. and um and then I was writing fiction because I've been doing that forever. My dad is an artist. And so he always encouraged me to be creative. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was writing a science fiction book and I was just like, I want to find another way to support myself, but I want to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing articles on medium and, um, yeah, it, it really took off. People really liked my approach, Um, and I was happy to, to continue, you know, sharing what I knew. And then I also loved it because it allowed me to continue studying sex and Mm -hmm. be this sort of sexologist meets like sex journalist. Um, and for a second, I considered going back and getting a PhD, but I don't want to be limited. And as a writer. I can just kind of see what people are curious about, mm-hmm. what I'm curious about and meet people's needs way more. Right. Um, but yeah, so I started writing on Medium um, and I'm still there. You could find the Pleasure Science blog on yeah. medium.com. And um, and then I wrote an erotic astrology ebook line because I just adore that. And anybody listening, you can use the code OPENLATE Yay! and download um, your own ebook and find your astrology sign and get 20% off. Um, and run, yeah. don't walk, yeah. run, don't walk. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, of course. And in each ebook, there's a specific pleasure-based ritual that's designed for your astrology sign. Cause like I said, I like to give people mm. like, you know, a little bit of knowledge, but also like, here's something you can take action with and right. you can try and maybe it'll work for you or maybe you won't, but it'll start opening up your mind to what is erotic wellness for me what is erotic for me? You know, what is pleasure for me? And I think if I'm getting you to ask those questions about yourself, I'm so happy. Right. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, but yeah, so I I started off as, and I'm still a fiction writer. Um, and I love that it's, yeah, it's a way that I'm able to like imagine a sex positive world Mm. and continue in this work without having like the, like I can put the academic, hat off. Right. Um, but yeah,
1: mm, yeah, beautiful. Are you working on anything
0: fiction right I now? Am. What are you oh my on? gosh, it's really fun. It's a serial killer novel. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen the show Dexter. Or, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or um, the, read the books or watch the films, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But, yeah. Yes. So it's sort of like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo meets Dexter. Oh, my God. This and is incredible. It's really fun. So she's a serial killer, um, but she only kills rapists. And uh, I actually started writing the book because I was getting a lot of feedback from my articles, and a lot of people were sharing with me just like sexual assault stuff that had happened to Mm -hmm. them. And what started to really hurt was just how similar everybody's stories were. Mm -hmm. And that was, and I I obviously have my own experiences with sex that include shame and pain Mm -hmm. that wasn't fun, pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really, it really hurt and it really affected me. And I just, Started to think of this this woman who was sort of like an anti hero. um, And she's a lesbian. She's getting her PhD. And I did that intentionally because on college campuses specifically, we have a really bad epidemic with sexual assault and rape. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's like, it's just the perfect storm for that. People, one, are not educated, right? Like we Mm -hmm. talked about, um, but they have their urges. And then we have all of these young adults who are unshackled from their parents and from, you know, Just anything that was shackling them for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so it's the perfect storm for people to explore and then hurt each other, which I think happens more so on accident. I think most of the sexual assault that I hear about, I think some people like know that they're violating someone's boundaries, but they may not realize. Like a lot of people don't realize what rape even is or things like that. So when I was reading these stories, or not stories, these experiences from real people, I wanted to. Do something about it, but I also wanted to protect my own mental health Mm. um, and not burn out. And that was where this story started. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm about 150 pages in. Um, She just murdered someone, which was very fun to write. And it's so funny because as I was writing this this murder, Mm -hmm. um, I'm obviously not a serial killer. I'm not a psychopath. So I'm writing it and I'm like, you know, maybe he does survive. I just feel he's really apologizing. Like he feels bad. And I'm like, Nadesh, what are you doing? You, yeah. you created him. He's horrible. He's he was designed to die, mm-hmm. like kill the man. Yeah. And so the first draft of, of the murder, um, the first murder that I wrote, I was like <laughs> trying to redeem. The, and I'm like, this is not the point of the book. Yeah. Like, buck up put your psychopath hat on and kill this guy. Yeah. So I had to like rewrite it and it, but it was a really funny, but that's, and I think that's why creative writing can be really a great outlet Mm -hmm. and you don't need to be a great writer. I mean, I think everyone is a great writer, Mm -hmm. but you don't need someone else to validate your writing as great writing to explore that. And I think the first step, if you, want to be creative with your writing is to really do that stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I'd say like the best tip that I could give is to set a timer because I think people can get overwhelmed with the idea and they're like, oh, I have to sit down for an hour or whatever. Put five minutes on Mm -hmm. a timer, make it a really short amount of time and just start dumping and seeing what comes out. Um, And I think that can really help. But yeah, that's something that I'm working on and hopefully it'll be published sometime next year. But um, but That's yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing. Oh yeah, I like didn't even know. I'm like she has me cooking up something. Really oh amazing. yeah, I'm always working on creative writing because I love it. Yeah, it's, you know,
1: and I love you know how we kind of circled back to what we started with with oh, yeah. with, with you said you know the creative writing or just like letting our mind wander right mm-hmm. because you're fantasies are mm. not like reality. They no, will, they will yeah. like, you know, sort of manifest themselves yeah. if you don't sort of like feed those urges in whatever way you are. And totally. so like, you're not a serial killer, no, but yeah. you can certainly write about it and express yeah. like what you want to do. And it to exp- expresses like the yeah. anger I was mm-hmm. feeling
0: when I was, you know, like that I still feel some- like anger and sadness. It was just a way to like, get it out and still get it out yeah. without like, maybe exploding on someone at mm-hmm. like a grocery store because right. I just like, they don't know that I just read a really sad email from someone that I can't help who lives in another part of the world. right? And then like my credit card declines at a grocery store and maybe I just like lose it. Like instead I'm just yeah. going have my nice serial killer murder someone mm-hmm. and, and, we- <laughs> yeah. and be done with yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I
1: think it's, I just want to say, I think it's really rad that you decided not to go get your PhD Oh yeah, and, and do this version because yeah. I think what you're doing, you keep saying that the word like actionable, right? Yeah. You really are putting into practice and giving people tools that, you know, nothing against therapy or, yeah. you know, against like going the academic route. But like a lot of people think that they need to go that route and it's the yeah. only way to really help and support people. Right. But you are educating so many. You're doing yeah. it in a super fun way. Um, oh, and you're you. getting all of the the knowledge that you need from like life experience and wisdom totally. and trial and error. And, and that's we need more of,
0: of embodied yeah. knowledge. So mm. like embodied knowledge is just as valuable as academic knowledge and like embodiment means of the body yeah. right and so your knowledge as a person walking down the street is just as like important and monumental as like someone who does a study about something and when it comes to like the academic world it's really gatekeepy right yeah. like and like that just is what it is it's a it's its own system and it is designed to like keep some people out and keep some people in Mm -hmm. and it's designed to decide what is like knowledge that is worth studying and what isn't. But, um, but yeah, but thank you. It, it was a big decision not to go back and do that, but I'm definitely glad to, cause I wanted to work with people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, not put yourself into a crazy like time yeah. spin and amount of debt because oh, it really yeah. does. It takes a, a really big chunk of your life and yeah. and as you're saying, like now you're already doing it. You're working with people yeah. and creating really fun ways to I think, help people become enlightened about Absolutely. sex and their own being. Yeah. humanness.
0: But yeah. I will say, too, for anyone who is watching and going back and getting their PhD, especially if you're someone that like isn't white or isn't wealthy or isn't straight or what have you, like that's fucking radical, mm-hmm. you know? And like I am very also being coming from Berkeley was and I was like, you know, I already went to such a prestigious institution. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep going with this. Uh, with that route specifically, but there, like, it can be really radical and, um, and really great to go through the system, especially if the system wasn't designed for you because mm-hmm. you're breaking barriers and yeah. you're, you're blo- like, you're overcoming the gatekeeping, like of academic knowledge mm-hmm. and like it's by people The reason we have like ethnic studies departments and gender and women's studies departments is because people who weren't invited to study were like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through your system and I'm going to get straight A's and I'm going to show you that the knowledge you're producing is biased and isn't good. So it's like there's two sides to the the coin. We need both. uh, We need both. You know? Um, but I also appreciate you saying that because there's definitely a chip on my shoulder of like, oh, it doesn't say Dr. <laughs> yeah. but that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really great. It's great because I think what you're, you are showing people and you're living a life that is, I think, so meaningful. In a way that most people think they can't do without the education, totally. I think is the point that I Absolutely. really wanted to make. It's like there's so much we can do to educate each other and to Absolutely. create a new paradigm when it comes to sex
0: and sexuality. Which I think is needed because mm-hmm. it's so censored. Yeah. 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 And, and you do that too, though. Like I love all the work that you do with healing and bringing people together. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. And with female sexuality and femininity, like a lot mm-hmm. of the work that we need so much empowerment in that area. So- Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we just keep shining the flashlight everywhere we go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. it. This has been a blast and oh, we will definitely do it again. <laughs> we'll get into kink next time. I oh feel like that God, should be
0: sure. the next
1: conversation we have because I know that I have a ton of questions. Oh, yeah. And... I mean, I trained to be a dominatrix for two yes! years. I wanted yeah. to get there, but I completely forgot. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, again, that is so its own, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> part two, part two coming at you. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And don't forget to go check out the ebook and use the code open late for, uh, what was it? Uh, 20% off.
0: Amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. I can't you. wait to do this again. Bye guys. That's a wrap, you guys. And it was so much fun. Please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. Tell us what you loved about the show and make sure you're following Open Late, the podcast on Instagram.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?